0: Welcome to Full Core Press, and I'm Liam Griffin. Trace, believe it or not, we've been in Court Team for a month now. Best movie or TV show you've watched?
1: Definitely. It's gotta be Tiger King.
0: Oh, really? You've fallen under that spell?
1: Yep. I've ran out of everything else to watch, so I turned it on and it was pretty good.
0: (laughs) Alright, so, I've been watching a lot of movies, I'll be honest with you. So, I watched Talladega Nights and Wayne's World this past week. Talladega Nights was uh, interesting, but... Funny, as was Wayne's Alright folks, joining the show today is former Little League World Series standout Trace Oregon. Alright, on today's episode, if I can find my script, we will be breaking down the top 10 wide receivers right now, as well as the top 10 all-time starting starting pitchers. We'll start out with the wideouts, so Trace, I'll let you do the honors with number 10. Alright,
1: for number 10 on my list. I put Amari Cooper. Just He started out, his rookie year, he had pretty good numbers. They just started to go down, but I feel like this trade with the Cowboys has really boosted him. He had, he had over 1,000 yards last year on 79 receptions, along with eight touchdowns. And he's also been a four-time Pro Bowler throughout his whole career.
0: All right, so you make some excellent points about Cooper. I've got him later on, but now I right now. So... For my number 10, I went with one of the men that has sort of revolutionized the Minnesota Vikings offense, if you will, and that's Adam Thielen. Now that Diggs is gone, he's the only man there, and unfortunately that's going to lead to more double coverages, if you will. But will that stop him? Probably not, because defenses are also going to have to deal with Dallin Cook. I mean, looking at these stats from 2018 when he was healthy, I've got 113 catches, Almost 1,400 yards, nine TDs, and he dealt through it. He went through injuries last year, but when he was healthy, he was good for my fantasy team. Foley had stayed healthy. I might have won my league, but here we are. So yeah, and to make your point about Cooper, you—I think you said it perfectly when you said the trade to Dallas revolutionized him, and that's why I have him at number nine. And one other point I want to make here before I move on. It was heartbreaking not to include Julian Edelman on here, my guy, but that pass he dropped in the divisional game, wildcard, oh, yeah. excuse me, that pass he dropped really set it off. And you said it yourself, 79 catches, almost 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, and when you can do that with Dak Prescott throwing to you, who I believe is among the overrated quarterbacks in football, you're doing something right. Yeah, for sure. All right, here you got at number nine.
1: Number nine, number nine or
0: eight? Nine. Nine. I have A.J. Green, although oh. he didn't play this past year. He still believe with Andy Dalton, who's
1: been going down for a few years now, he's just been able to produce more than solid numbers while being covered by some of the best corners in football.
0: All right, so one other thing I want to ask you about A.J. Green, how do you think he will do with Joe Burrow?
1: I think he will be fine with any quarterback. It just I think it just depends on how the quarterback will be able to get him
0: the ball and how like, consistently he'll be able to get open and get the ball. Because I ask this because you were critical of Andy Dalton, whom I don't believe is a terrible quarterback, in all honesty. I just don't believe that. He is only three or four years removed from a playoff run. So, I don't think that he deserves all the blame there in Cincinnati. It's more the Offensive line and coaching, but you're right. He's he's one heck of a wide receiver, and I don't I actually don't have him on there in part because we've seen his numbers regress recently. But I believe that he could and will have a what's the word, revelation with Joe Burrow. All right, who you got at number eight?
1: Eight. I uh, I put Larry Fitzgerald.
0: All right, all right.
1: He's a very he's. As he's getting older, he's still been able to just produce very solid numbers, and I think that him getting Kyler, the Cardinals getting Kyler Murray last year in the draft helped him. And then with the addition of this trade that I did not like at all, when they acquired DeAndre Hopkins, now DeAndre oh Hopkins will be getting the most attention, which will leave more one on ones for Larry Fitzgerald, and he'll just be able to have even
0: better numbers. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, he's one of the greatest receivers in NFL history, but right now, age is not a friend to him, so that's why he's not on my list. Yeah. So, my number eight and seven both play for the same team, so I'll do them at once. So, my number eight, I went with Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who yeah, was able to post amazing numbers with James Winston as your quarterback. I mean, look at this. 86 catches, over 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, and, Those numbers are only going to go up next year. Because now, who's throwing to him? Tom Brady. The GOAT is now throwing to Chris Godwin, so he has all the chances of moving up higher on my list. But as for right now, he's number eight. Last year, he broke onto the scene and killed my my fantasy team once or twice. So, he'll be high on my draft list this year. I'll tell you that. And then my number seven, obviously, is Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The reason I put Evans over Godwin, Evans has been around longer. That's just the truth of the matter. He now has produced 6,000-yard seasons in his first six seasons in the league. He's one of the most consistent there is. And who's to say he won't get a little more consistent now? He's got Brady thrown to him. And to to add to that, Jameis Winston, I want to say, threw over 30 interceptions last year, correct? Right. When you can...
1: 30-30.
0: Yeah, when you can... When Evans and Godwin can produce that kind of numbers, when so many balls are landing in the hands of the Minka Fitzpatricks and the Stephon Gilmores of the NFL, they're doing something right, let me yeah. tell you. All right, number seven, who you got? Number seven, I put Keenan Allen. Okay. Just he's... He's widely regarded as
1: probably one of the best slot receivers in the game just because of his ability with the ball in his hands to make people miss and just gain so many extra yards.
0: But the thing is, he gets hurt all the time.
1: He does. He does not have a very good
0: injury reputation. <laughs> but he's, whenever he's able to stay healthy,
1: which he was, he was on the field a lot of the time this season, he, was,
0: he put up good numbers. I mean, yeah, he burned the Patriots in a divisional game a few years back. We still don't. We still crushed them, but boy, did he make it at least a little bit interesting. All right, number six. We got the same six in our top six. Let's see. We've had some different answers here. Yeah.
1: Number six. I have Devontae Adams. Cheers. <laughs> Just you know, he put up very solid numbers this year. Even though with all,
0: he put up a thousand yards, five touchdowns on around eighty receptions, but he only played twelve games. So, it varies the numbers. Yeah, I mean, I drafted Devonta Adams to my fantasy team with my first selection, and I was very disappointed to see him get hurt, but you said it best. He produced in those games 83 catches, almost 1,000 yards, and five touchdowns in only 12 games, I think you said. Yep. So, for that reason, he is my number six, and it certainly helps to have Aaron Rodgers throwing to you. That is never going to be a lie. But still, when you can produce those kinds of numbers when being hurt for a quarter of the season, you're doing something right. Uh, And my number five is uh, a receiver I've grown to hate because he just always, always, always burns my team, and he just runs all over them, and that's Tyree Kill. Yep, that's what I got. he, He dealt with some injuries over the past year, but still able to produce seven touchdowns, and when he's healthy... He had, in last year he was fully healthy, 2018, almost 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns, with an average of 17 yards per reception. That says it all. Yep. That play in the, the Super Bowl, the play that one Kansas City game. Yep. yep. Third and 15. Nice. Mahomes stows it up. I still would blame the Niners secondary more than anyone for that happening, because. Yeah, for sure. But still, Tyreek Hill being able to find the airspace to make that catch, the defense was helpless, completely, and lo and behold, the Chiefs of Super Bowl champions. Yep. Alright, so you said he's your number five, too? Yep, he's my five. Alright, who's your four?
1: Four, I actually have somebody you talked about earlier, I put Mike Evans there. Alright. Just because of his ability, he's always able to just, it seems is always able to just go up and win one-on-one balls, which he's not left one-on-one much most of the time. He's always able to be open no matter who's guarding him. And he has put up
0: very good numbers with almost 1,200 yards on 67 receptions with eight touchdowns to add to it. All right, so I'll be curious to know if this player ends up on your list because given the, I would think the four I have left are obvious, but I guess not. But my number four is a receiver that many consider to be overrated. And I mean overrated because he is uh, – Now that Antonio Brown is gone, the last of the Divas left. So my number four is actually Odell Beckham Jr. A lot of the Brown struggles were placed on Odell's shoulders last year, but he did his part as far as I'm aware. 74 catches, over 1,000 yards, and only four touchdowns. So that's a little bit of a head-scratcher, but you can't deny that he's still one of the best receivers in the game. And I think having Jarvis Landry on the other side helped a lot. And Baker Mayfield's got to get it together because yeah, he's doing yeah, I his
1: think job. get better as Mayfield gets better. He's
0: doing his job, let me tell you that. But, yeah. apparently, I don't know what to tell you. Alright, so, who's your number three? DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. You got, alright, so obviously that trade is uh, just a little bit disheartening for you, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: that
0: just stabbed right to the heart. And, uh... You picked, at least you picked up Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb. Yeah, that
1: no help, but there's not really anybody to replace DeAndre Hopkins on our offense
0: now. Alright, so 2018 was, I believe, the year he really developed as a big threat. Over 100 catches, almost 1,600 yards, and 11 touchdowns. He took a little bit of a step back last year, but I think that was probably due to the emergence of guys like Stills and QT in that Houston offense. But right, the impact that DeAndre Hopkins makes is undeniable. It's undeniable. Yeah, sure. it is and I don't know why the Texans traded him. I don't think anyone will ever know. Will ever know why. I don't know if you've seen Karen Thornton's Instagram bio. Fought, started GoFundMe to fire O'Brien or something like that. <laughs> and it's sensible too. Let me tell you because I don't know why he thinks David Johnson is an app is a suitable replacement. But here we are. For
1: sure, I, it just doesn't
0: make sense. All right, so we got two receivers left, but, but let me talk about this for a second. It wasn't easy for DeAndre Hopkins to get open as much as he did, nor was it for Texans fans to hear the news about Hopkins, but you know it is easy? Podcasting with Anchor. And with that, we move on to number two. Trace, who's your number two? Number two, I have Julio Jones. All right. this man. 15 games, had 99 receptions, with almost 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. He's just been consistent his whole career. Seven time Pro Bowler, two time All Pro. He's always getting it done. Alright, so that must mean you don't have Odo Beckham Jr. on your list. No, I do not. I'm surprised because if your number two, if your number one is not my number two, I'm going to be stunned because my number two is a. Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints. He got 149 catches over 1,700 yards last year. And that flip phone that celebration from 2018 will never fade from my memory. That was awesome. Michael Thomas is an awesome receiver. He's at the top of my draft board come this fall. And I will be not pleased if I don't get him. All right, so he's obviously your number one. My number one is Julio. And let me explain to you why. I play Madden frequently, yeah, and one of my buddies' go-to teams is the Atlanta Falcons, and literally half of the plays he runs, he just lobs it up to Julio, and a solid 90% of the time, he makes the catch. Regardless of if I put Gilmore or Fitzpatrick or whomever it may be that's on him, I press B and I hold Y to intercept it, but he still makes the catch. And that's why he's my number one. I I know it's a video game. I know. But Julio has been at it for longer than Michael Thomas has. And that's why I have him at number one for now. However, if Michael Thomas produces those numbers again next year, he's going up to number one. And that's just it. All right, so obviously you got uh, Michael Thomas number one.
1: Yeah, please put him. But Holy, your Julio Jones point is very valid. He has been at it longer. He's been putting up the numbers his whole career. So I just need to wait and see what Michael Thomas does if he continues to put up the same numbers.
0: Uh, and I still find it stunning you don't have Odell on your Can you remind me who your number nine was? AJ Green. Okay. But you put, I can respect that, but you, do you seriously think Keenan Allen and Larry Fitzgerald right now are better than Odell?
1: Right now, I mean, it's tough. I think, I think Gerald, I think Obel Beckham right now is probably better than Larry Fitzgerald.
0: Okay, but I see where you're coming from, because all time Fitzgerald has had a much more successful career. Right. And I don't think any, any wide receiver today, except for maybe Michael Thomas or Julio, will ever surpa- surpass that. Right. Alright, and with that, it's time for the history lesson, boys and girls. We honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. First two are related to the Masters, which I believe would have been played last weekend. 16 years ago today, April 11th, Phil Mickelson won the Masters for the first time. Mickelson won it again for the third time 10 years ago today. But the soon-to-be 50-year-old golfer still seeks a U.S. Open i and unfortunately, I'm, not, I'm uncertain he will ever get it. 23 years ago, on Monday, April 13th, Tiger Woods won his first major by a record of 12 strokes. Many consider Tiger to be done going into last year's proved him all wrong as he claimed another green jacket. Myself included. I thought he was done. No lies. 73 years ago, Wednesday, April 15th, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, becoming the first African-American to play in the MLB. Robinson paved the way for African-American stars today, including Mookie Betts, and the recently retired CC Sabathia, and players would be wearing his number 42 this weekend if games were being played.
1: 69 years ago Friday, April 17th, another not-as-transcendent nice, legend made his debut, Mickey Mantle. Mantle went 1-4 in the game, and today he is arguably the greatest switch hitter in MLB history, and up there with Yank including Garrick DiMaggio and Roos.
0: Alright, we're through the wide receiver discussion. We're on to the discussion about our top 10 starting pitchers of all time, Trace, before we get into this, I want to ask you this. How many current pitchers do you have on your list? I have two. You have two? Yeah. Great minds think alike. So do I. Is one of the number 10?
1: Uh, mine are 9
0: and 8. So are mine. Well, who's your number 10 on that note? Number 10, I have Roy Holiday. All right. He, had, he was an 8-time All-Star. He's a Hall of Famer, of course, right now
1: won Cy Young two times. He had a career record of 203 wins to 105 losses with a career 3.38 ERA. And he went 3-2 and in the playoffs with a 237 ERA.
0: All right, so my number 10 actually played well before either of us were born. He made his debut at age 19 with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1956. Went on to play 14 years. My number 10 is Don Drysdale. So his win-loss ratio may seem a little off. His record was 209 and 166, but he had an ERA of 2.95, which I believe says it all. He's a Hall of Famer, Cy Young winner, three-time World Series champion, nine-time All-Star. His numbers retired by the Los Angeles Dodgers, and when your numbers retired by the Dodgers, however much how however much they may be struggling right now, you're doing something right. and One of the great, arguably the greatest pitcher in Dodger history. He's not. I'll elaborate on why later. All right, number nine, the two current pitchers we both have. Which one is it there? I have Clayton Kershaw there. All right. He just,
1: his record is 144-64. He has 58 wins above replacement with the 236 ERA. Although, you know, he hasn't done as well in the playoffs. He's still one of the best to do it, just based on his stats. All
0: right, so I'm uncertain you're going to like who I have at 9, because you may think this guy deserves to be higher out of bias for your home team, but my number 9 is Justin Verlander of the current Houston Astros. It's a sh- It's really a shame to me that Verlander's now only World Series title is tainted, but it is too- it is- when he was traded to Houston in 2017... And the five starts he had there in the regular season, 5 0, oh, six, 6. Yeah, 5. 5 and 0 oh with a 1.06 ERA. That says it all. And then his two complete seasons there, 2.52 two and 2.58. And then in his heyday in Detroit, 2011, 2.4, 2012, 2.64. He had some mediocre years along the way, but still that does not defy from his greatness. His career record. Career win-loss ratio, 225 and 129. That's kind of the reason why I have him over Drysdale. ERA of 3.33. Unbelievable pitcher. Second best pitcher of our generation. Yeah, I have him as my number eight. Just, you know, people talk about, of course, the 2017 World Series. And yes, it's tainted, but that also doesn't discredit his pitching in that World Series. Oh, absolutely not. He's a pitcher, and... Yeah,
1: was, they were just helping out the hitter with by cheating handles. But he's still Rookie of the Year, the eight-time All-Star, 2017 ALCS MVP. He's just been great his whole career. He had a few mediocre years in Detroit, but he really revived his career when he got traded to Houston.
0: All right, so obviously my number eight is uh, Clayton Kershaw, and I think you said everything there is to be said. I mean, obviously he's... That in the postseason, there's no absolutely yeah. no hiding that. But you look at his his career ERA is 2.44. That's yeah, insane. Just, that is yeah. absolutely insane. 169-74 is his career record, and obviously his postseason numbers aren't going away anytime soon, especially not what given what happened in the game five of the NLDS last year, giving up those back-to-back home runs to yeah. Rendon and Soto. Yeah, That is never going to go away, and Game 5 of the World Series, that was a rough one for him, too. You can obviously, you can blame the science-stealing scandal, but that's a weak excuse, if you ask me. But still, what this guy has done in the regular season is unprecedented. 244 ERA, 67.9 career, wins above replacement. Something else, man. Alright, now we're only talking about Legends here, so who's your number 7.
1: Number seven, I have the Hall of Famer, Nolan Ryan. All right. He has with seven no-hitters. He's an eight-time All-Star. He's in the 1969 World Series, although his win-loss record is, doesn't really stand out. With three wins and 292 losses, he was still just I mean, is one of the most dominant and intimidating figures on the mound of his generation.
0: All right, so my number seven is if you ask me, very much looked, or is very much cast aside by the other Yankee greats. You got DiMaggio and Mantle from that era, Roger Maris too, but this, the Yankees would not have won any of the six World Series they won if Whitey Ford was not pitching in those World Series. Excuse me. 236-106 and 106 with 2.75 ERA. Career 57.1 wins above replacement. 10-time All-Star. World Series MVP. I mean, this guy was the total package. He was a southpaw that made things even diff- even harder. And we saw with the New York Yankees of last year, 2019, that you can't win without starting pitching. That's why they went and got Garrett Cole. And this guy, he held down the fort for them. Having Mantle and DiMaggio and them were great, but this guy was the even bigger need for the Yankees. Don't get me wrong, they had plenty of hitting.
1: Yes, they had all the bats they needed.
0: Oh, yeah. All right, so I'll go ahead and name my number six here to start. My number six was a Red Sox killer in 1967 for the St. Louis Cardinals. And boy, could he strike people out. My number seven is Bob Gibson, one of the first great African-American pitchers, had a career of 2.91. Struck out over 3,000 batters, which is, in my opinion, a golden ticket to the Hall of Fame. And yeah. look at what this guy did. He he won two World Series, and in both of them, he won the MVP. He was a nine-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glove winner as well. And when he retired, he had the lowest DRA of his time. He was the total package.
1: Yeah, for mine, number six, uh, Greg Maddox. Oh, wow, you
0: have him... Them- not as high as I would expect him.
1: He's an all-famer, four-time Cy Young. He's fielding extremely well with 18 gold gloves. He has 3, 3.16 career ERA. He had 116 wins above replacement. Although, his playoffs, he wasn't as good with the 11-14 and 14 record. But he's still one of the best to ever do it, just considering all of his other stats. Yeah.
0: Huh. Alright, moving on. I'll let you start out with your number five. Number five. Some people might
1: like this just because of the accusations he has faced, but I have Roger Clemens. Oh!
0: And, you, know, you know... You know I don't like him!
1: <laughs> yes, I knew you were going to like it, Liam, but aside from all the accusations that he's faced... His stats just speak for themselves. He's an MVP, seven-time Cy Young winner, all-star. He's won two World Series. He has his career record is 354 wins
0: with 184 losses, and a 3.12 ERA with 139 games win above replacement. All right, so the player I have at number five is truly the greatest pitcher to ever put on a Red Sox uniform. It's not Roger Clemens. I love El Tiante, Luis Tiant, but it's not him. It's Pedro. Pedro Martinez. I know he had his issues with the Yankees, thinking that they were his daddy and whatnot, but stats don't lie. Career record, 219-100, with an ELA of 2.93, over 3,000 strikeouts, which, in my opinion, are what make a pitcher truly dominant. You can, have all the, you can allow as few runs as you can, but if you're striking guys out, man, because... If, you, if you're a ground ball pitcher, the defense does the work for you. But when you're striking guys out, you're doing the work. And Pedro, he struck guys out. He was part of the remarkable curse-breaking team of 04. Three-time Cy Young winner, eight-time All-Star winner. He was, he's the go for Red Sox pitchers, man. There's no other way of putting it. All right, I will name mine number four. My number four played for... An organization many consider to be a laughingstock stock today, and that's the New York Mets. But when Tom Seaver was pitching for the New York Mets, he was anything but a laughingstock. stock. So Tom Brady tried to trademark Tom Terrific, right? Yep. Tom Seaver is the reason that that name was not trademarked. I look at his career stats 3,640 3, strikeouts. It's unstinking believable. ERA of three. 2.86, career wins of a replacement, 109.9, 12-time All-Star, World Series Champion, Rookie of the Year, 3-time Cy Young Award winner, that says it all, that's why Tom Brady is not owned, Tom Terrific. And I
1: have Sandy Koufax, all right. he's a 3-time Cy Young winner,
0: 7-time All-Star, went to the World
1: Series 4 times, is a 2-time World Series MVP. Has a career win-loss record of 165 to 87, with a career ERA of, of 2.76, with around 54 wins above replacement, and his stats in the playoffs are just
0: his ERA is under one; it's 0.95 in the playoffs. And that the World Series was only created in 1903. Whenever his career ended in 1905. Wait, sorry, who did you say it was your number three? Sandy Koufax. 1905? What?
1: Yes, that's what it said. I think you're
0: thinking of the wrong picture when you talk about Koufax. In 1905,
1: 1905? Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, wrong picture. Not, yeah. Not Sandy Koufax. Another one. Cy Young? Another one. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He's up on
0: my list. See, <laughs> so number four?
1: Number four is... My number four?
0: Yeah.
1: Is Randy Johnson.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so, I actually did not include Randy Johnson. I've been thinking a lot about it, but I don't know why I included, didn't include him. But here we are. My number three is uh, the Ryan Express, Nolan Ryan. The ERA is a little high, as is the win-loss ratio, but there's one characteristic that says it all. 5,714 yeah. career strikeouts. You can make the argument that he played 27 years until his mid-40s. I don't care. In his age, forty. Hold on, where's where are you? Nope, wrong statue. My bad. In his age, forty-four season, over twenty-seven starts. His record was twelve and six, with an ERA of two point nine one. Age forty-four. Yeah, this.
1: He was a different man, different breed of man.
0: All right, we Who's your number three after we cleared the chaos?
1: Number three, I have Pedro Martinez. All right. And you've, you've said it. His stats, they just speak for themselves. His strikeout numbers are just crazy.
0: Not as crazy as Nolan Ryan's, though. Right. All right, who's your number two? I think it's one of two guys for you.
1: Number two, number two. I have Koufax in number
0: two. Okay. Alright, so you talked about Koufax earlier. I'm going to talk about you guy, a guy you talked about earlier, and for my number two, and that would be Greg Maddox. So, a lot of people underestimate him, but career wins above a placement almost 107. Four time Cy Young winner, eight time All Star, 18 time Gold Glove winner. One of the most underrated things for a pitcher is a Gold Glove. Game 7 of the World Series, Grikey was a killer, but the bullpen let him down, so we're not going to talk about that. And I just think that that defensive presence made him all the more intimidating on the mound, which is why I have him as my number two. Three, yeah, of 2.16 3,271 strikeouts, WHIP of one point one four. There's only one left for your number one, and I didn't. So I didn't include Sion on my list because he played such a long time ago, and influential stats that or stats that are active now were not in play back then. Like passed balls and stuff like that. Right. So we can, so there. the analytics game has developed, has developed quite a bit since Cy Young was pitching. That's why I didn't include him. No disrespect from his greatness. But I'll let you talk about him. Yeah, so Cy Young, obviously, is a Hall of Famer. He has the most complete games ever. He, this
1: man, he pitched 184 complete games in five years. And compared to, like, some pitchers in the recent years, like, Roger Clemens had 118 complete games in his 24-year 24, 24 year career. So, he, Tha Young was throwing a lot. And he's the winningest pitcher ever. Career record of 511 wins and
0: 316 losses with a 2.63 ERA. And he had 131 wins above replacement. You mentioned the complete game. I mean... That's a rare commodity in, or commodity's not the right word, rare occasion in Major League Baseball today. I mean, I think, I don't even think there was a, no, there was one, one Red Sox pitcher had a complete game last year.
1: Yeah, I think, I just think, the game just has changed so much with all the analytics now.
0: Oh, absolutely. And,
1: And the people, they know so much more about caring for your arms, and we're so much more cautious now.
0: All right. So my number one, before we continue, this is Sandy Koufax. I think you said all there is to say about him. Three-time World Series winner, three-time Triple Crown winner for pitching, ERA, strikeouts, wins. I believe seven-time All-Star, three-time Cy Young, MVP. That's an award not a lot of pitchers can say they have. Right. And I like the. He was limited in his career. He only played 12 seasons up until he was 30. But one of the things that stands out to me was that he didn't. He refused to pitch a World Series game because it was on Yom Kippur, which I find very gravitating. Yeah, for sure. And to add to your point you were making about the analytics, by the time, I I think by the time guys like Scherzer and Severino and Sale, I think by the time they're done, guys like Drysdale and Ford that I have towards the back of my list will be off because... The analytics movement is revolutionizing how pitchers pitch and how they take care of their arms. Right. It's just... And it's going to continue to grow. As technology continues to expand, so does baseball. Right, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, there are multiple pitchers from now I was considering about
0: putting on my list, but I just went with two modern-day pitchers. Yeah, so did I. All right, before we call it quits, I want to ask you about this. Since we've been talking about baseball, what do you think of the... Proposed idea of there being no NL and AL, but rather a Cactus League in Arizona and a Grapefruit League in Florida.
1: Uh, you know, I'm not really sure how to feel about that right now. That's it's just because you know me. I don't really want them to just like change how the game has been. Just I just kind of I like the way the game has been with the two divisions. And how they do it with the playoffs? I think they should just try to keep everything the same, and maybe you can extend the season. Maybe you take out a few game, a few non-division games here and there. But I think you just stick with what is what you've been doing for your whole, whole existence of the league.
0: I see where you're coming at, but man, let me tell you, I miss baseball, man. I miss watching. Yeah. I miss watching Devers and Bogarts hit bombs. So. At this point in time, I think it's safe to say the league is looking at every single possible alternative. And if these reports are true that the virus will peak tomorrow, I think that we will have a season. But if they're false, then we may not get a season. But I think the league is doing anything and everything they can to get games started asap. And yeah, I think that goes think for. They just
1: want to get it going.
0: I think that goes for every league too, because you've got the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're supposed to start this weekend and. The NBA playoffs are supposed to start next weekend, and Obviously, that's why they play the games, to win championships. And right. I can't imagine players being too happy with those not being played. If at all yeah. possible, I think they're going to get it played ASAP. Yeah,
1: for sure. guess all the players, all the coaches, everybody in all the
0: organizations, for sure, want to be able to fight to win their championship. Absolutely. And this was the Bruins year, too, let me tell you.
1: Yeah, they, they, were, they were rolling. Yeah. All right, that'll do it. Well, folks, it's all for we have today. I want to thank Liam. I'm Trace Organ.
0: I'm Liam Griffin. I'd like to thank Trace for being my guest today, and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Volker Press Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. Be sure to tune in next week for our breakdown of the top ten small forwards right now in Super Bowls, Please, please, please stay healthy, wash your sands, and stay home unless necessary. And we will see you next week.